Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Madrigal at the Movies with Rob and Rob. I am one of your hosts, Peter Madrigal. Hey, guys, and I'm Rob Federick, and I am screaming to be here today. <laughs> All revved up. Rob Schulte here, guys. Happy to be here. And today we've got a special guest whose credits include The Simpsons and Disenchantment, among many other things, creator of the Steamy Awards. It's Bill Oakley. Bill, welcome Woo! to the show. Woo! Thank you. Is it, is it a pleasure to be here? I'm delighted. Thank yes. you for being here, Bill. Now, uh, gentlemen, um, Bill has chosen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre from uh, 1974. It's 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 going to be a scream, as you said, Rob Federick. Uh, <laughs> but before we get into the movie, Bill, could you just give our listeners a little bit of a primer on... Um, your take on fast food and what you've been doing with your Instagram uh, in the, the past few years. Yes, sure. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm I'm a comedy writer, uh, best known for my work on The Simpsons and uh, specifically the Steamed Hams sketch, which is the most memed, one of the most memed themes of all time. So I, uh, I, I, but my hobby, however, is eating food and telling people about it on Instagram. And uh, I've done that for a few years now, and it's kind of taken off. Um, I do videos uh, on my main account on Instagram. I do these 59-second videos, which are generally most often reviews of fast food items. And and they're, they're a little funny. Um, and then on my story, pretty much every day, I post stuff, all sorts of food-related stuff. People mail me stuff from around the world, uh, snack food, potato chips from Serbia, and candies from Japan, sodas from Canada, Ecuador, things like that. And so it's kind of like a food clearinghouse for people who like junk food, snack food, fast food, frozen food, stuff like that. And um, it's it, I've almost gotten myself into like uh, a level of fast food celebrity. Like I get to be on shows like I'm going to be on Somebody Feed Phil. Uh, I'm going to be on the food, uh, the food built America, one of my favorite shows. And I get cons when, when there's some fast food related thing in the news, places like bought, you know, food and wine or vulture asked me to comment on it. So I'm halfway to making myself into the, uh, a guy Fieri type. Yeah. That's my goal. That's awesome. There we go. Yeah. So I thought it would be really fun for Madrigal at the Movies to, you know, you said yes, it was great to like not just talk about a film this time, but, uh, you know, Thanksgiving has turkey, uh, Christmas has ham, you know, maybe. And then, you know, Halloween has candy, but movies in general have food, you know, and, and it can be a contentious issue. So I was wondering, first off the bat, Bill, like, do you have a staple for what you eat when you used to or go to the movie theaters? By the way, I love that we're reviewing a movie about cannibals. So, yeah, exactly. like, you know. Human meat. You you uh, you missed my prestige there, Rob. I was going to reveal that at the end. <laughs> oh, you know, guys, it depends. Like, often I will get nachos, which are such a fucking. I'm sorry. Can I curse on this podcast? Yes, please. <laughs> yes, 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 Movie yes, theater yes. nachos are so bad, but I still get like they're really like you couldn't possibly make worse nachos if you tried in any way. And and but I still get them and I eat them, especially if they got those free jalapenos that you can put on them, you know. Yep. Um, but in general, oh, yeah. in terms of candy, I like stuff with nuts, like uh, peanut M&Ms. Um, and actually, my if I'm if I'm not worried at all about getting really full uh, and having a ton of calories, what I will do is get milk duds and popcorn and kind of mix them up, yes. which I think is one of the best things. I, it, like I don't, I certainly didn't invent it, but I guess I kind of discovered it on my own. <laughs> and uh, it really is like the best movie theater snack. I have oh. a question. 
Yeah, since Peter. we're in the since we're in the Halloween, you know, uh, uh, season right now. What is your take on carrot candy? <laughs> on what? <laughs> like candy corns? Candy corn. There you go. Oh, candy but corn. you call it carrot candy because yeah, it's orange. It, yeah, it's orange. <laughs> candy corn. I call it oh, carrot man. candy. I, I kind of used to like it a little bit. I, I now I think it's gross, but I still I know I'll eat two or three. Pe- I used to eat a lot more of it when I was really little, and 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 candy. There was a lot less good candy around, but these days, um, I'll have one or two pieces, and then I will become disgusted. By, like it's hard once you start thinking about what's this made of. <laughs> then you're you're kind of off that train. Okay, fast. gotcha. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, candy corn was the exciting candy when your other option was like peeling the the chalk off. Of the, the wax paper or whatever. Yeah, or having candy. somebody give you fruit. You know, that used to yeah. that used to happen when I was a kid a lot more than it does now. It's nature's candy, right? Yeah, right, of course. And raisins. That's well, oh, people still give raisins out, especially right here in Portland. And and yeah, it, that's really? like yeah, there's a fair number. Oh, yeah, somebody was giving out Brussels sprouts. Uh and I guess really? people, God oh, bless God, them. They 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 <laughs> Uh, they were giving out like they were homegrown Brussels sprouts, and obviously these people were well-meaning, but it was definitely a little <laughs> bit. You know, I, there's a lot of health pe- people who are real healthy in this town. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Halloween is the one day to just turn off the porch light for that. I think. Yes, right, right. <laughs> I wonder how many kids were like Brussels sprouts. Trick time, baby. (laughs) (laughs) We did this this engagement of trick and treat. I put it out forth right as I got here. Right, right. (laughs) You violated the terms of the contract. Yeah, Yeah. Bill. I like that you brought up nachos because I think that is one of like the spookiest movie treats. Because yeah, it's it's you know accessible. You can dip. You're in the movie. The jalapenos are delicious, but like it's dark, and you might walk out with just stains all over yourself after the film. Oh, totally. That's- that happens all the time. And then I find you can't wear anything white or light colored because you're going to have you know yellow stains on on it for forever. Um, <laughs> also, the thing the about that way. stuff is. I always try to buy stuff that won't be gone before the previews are over, you know? Yes. Like that's a big problem in, 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 with me. And so I actually sit, sit there and purposely not yet having any food until the previews are over. Cause I, I for some reason I find that kind of depressing. If the food yeah. is all gone before the previews are over. It's like, I, I had no self-control. That's what I'm always like. Yeah. yeah. I needed to get the more than an ounce size of popcorn. Cause that's yeah. just, you can make the nachos hand. last. That's like popcorn. I mean, also popcorn, I find that I lose interest in popcorn even before I'm halfway through a small bag. I'm like, I- I- I've had enough popcorn for this month. <laughs> yeah. Down, you know? My, yeah, my I know that. Uh, to... Sorry, Rob, you go. No, no, I was saying, my girlfriend and I went to the movies, uh, what, like a week ago to see Shang-Chi. And like, it was the first time we'd been to the movie since the pandemic. And we bought popcorn and I was eating it through the previews and she kept smacking my hand. She's like, no, it's got to last <laughs> through the movie. Oh, you know? no. and I'm just like, that's the unsung rule is that you eat the popcorn all in the previews and then you go refill it and bring it back. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so. I mean, going to the, like, if, you know, we'll get to the movie in just a second, but like my final, final story, like the scariest time going to the theater is when I go with my, um, my well-meaning mother in Kansas, and she has to get a deal on absolutely everything, regardless of the situation. So she gets the refillable, unlimited refillable popcorn, and then immediately gets it filled, and then brings over like a drink tray and says, and like spills it into the drink uh, tray. 
and then says, can you fill my popcorn again? And she's like, see, now we both have things to eat from Robert. And I was like, mom, I could, I'll just buy a popcorn. It's spooky embarrassment. I love how you added exactly how your mom would address you too, instead of Robert, (laughs) Robert. So it's very immersive for me. Okay. Uh, Shall we talk about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, gentlemen? Let's absolutely into it. Now, um, Bill, you brought this to the table today, and I think that I was debating on if I want to read what the movie's about first or ask the why first, but I think I'd like to go with the why. Like, is there a reason why this was like, there was no hesitation. You were ready to do Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, yeah. I I love where I've seen... I have seen thousands of horror movies. I love horror movies. And I still maintain this is the scariest movie of all time. And it's, you have to remember that movies like this didn't really exist. Like this invented the whole thing. It's like star Wars in that respect, you know, like now we have a whole galaxy of stuff like that. These movies, I mean, now we have a lot of more movies with torture porn and whatever, but like this movie invented all of this. And it also, um, I find that it still holds up. I watched it this morning and uh, again, right before this. And I was like, ah, oh, shit, this is really unpleasant. And I, and, there's, right. and I didn't like it. I mean, I was, I was scared and I didn't like it, which is, uh, but you know, I respect it. It's, it's the skill uh, of this film. It really, I, I got a lot of stuff to say about this movie because nice. it really holds up and it's, I find it still upsetting. And I think my, my general takeaway of this movie is that, it seems like it might have been made by crazy people, and it's that kind of thing. It's upsetting. You don't trust, like you don't see the universal logo at the front. And you know, oh, this is right. a big company made this. This is fucked up, and it seems like it might have been made by crazy. Certainly, some of the people involved might have been actually crazy, and the people, the actors, apparently really did have a terrible time filming yes. this when I read about it, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. it was really hot and miserable, and like you can see that on the screen. It's you know, yeah. it's bad news. And the I screen feels that- like it's melting. Yeah. 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 And the thing about this movie too, though, is that it's low budget enough where they had to get creative where it's not overtly gory. When you think te- mm-hmm. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you think that you're going to see limbs and blood and it's, and it's not, and it's low budget enough that it's shot in a way that sh- makes it grounds it even more in reality because it almost feels sort of like a, not documentary, but like, like it's very cinema verite in my in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, I agree. You know, so so I think the director he wanted a PG rating. Well, they didn't have <laughs> PG thirteen back then. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> he wanted the PG rating. That on is this. hysterical. But that's yeah. so yeah, when, he did. when he's cutting up Kirk. By the way, we're going to get into all this because <laughs> okay. we were we were watching. I'm going to bring it full circle to what we talked about last year. There was a certain movie that we talked about last year that I could not, I did not like at all. Uh, Superman like, two, I think, is what. That <laughs> <is>. <laughs> yeah, super, you had to take it from me. <laughs> um, but with this one, he like he purposefully like shot some of the like for instance when he's cutting up Kirk with the chainsaw and the, and 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 the girlfriend's watching, he did it so that you wouldn't see any blood or any cutting, because he wanted that yeah. PG rating. He didn't want it rated R, and the and the uh, the rating system gave him an R. It was like no 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 no. This is scary. I, this is R. it was. I think it was X at some point maybe like yeah I, yeah I, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was. I mean even just the name. I remember growing up as a kid hearing Texas Chainsaw Massacre. In fact, the first time I ever heard of it was in the movie Summer School. I don't know if you guys remember that. Movie. Oh yeah 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 yeah. And the two guys, I forget the actor's name, but he was like the he was like in Ski School and all these other movies. He was in all the school movies, and he was like a horror fan uh, in like Summer School. And they mentioned, they're like, yeah, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, Leatherface has a mask made of human skin. And I was like, 
Texas Chainsaw Massacre, <laughs> Leatherface, so Human Skin. Yeah. I was like, that sounds like it is the most horrifying movie ever. Like, mm-hmm. uh, just just yeah. with that. And yeah, they do they do some tricks, um, especially right up top. But before we get into that, let me read the back of the VHS box. Bill, I just recently moved from Brooklyn to L.A. I brought my vault of VHS that you can obviously <laughs> see behind me here. Um, and it goes like this, gentlemen. Whoever you are, whatever you know, nothing in your experience could ever prepare you for the horror of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. On what seemed like a perfect day in August 1973, five teenagers went for a drive. They were headed for a nightmare in a ghoulish house littered with the remains of dead animals, waited a family of maniacal killers. They would emerge, adorned with bones, skulls, and animal skins to turn the peaceful Texas countryside into a human slaughterhouse. Wow. It's weird the direction they took with that back of the box. I feel like that might have been an updated version. I, I agree. It doesn't sound like anything that you would have had attached to this movie in the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the trailer from the 70s had sort of like a back of the box moment uh, that it taught, like the narrator was saying over it. Um, so, gentlemen, question though should we save the rating of this one for the end today? Yeah. Sometimes yeah. Bill will just right off top be like, ah, this is a movie you got to see, and we're rating it five. But I think today we definitely should wait to the end because. Sure, sure. It's 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 good. Um, but is it the best? Who knows? No. Um, you guys, have you guys all seen this before this event? I had. Yes. I had. Too. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Now, a, long, a long time before. I, I actually saw it after I saw the remake that they did in two thousand and two with Jesse. Oh, Beale. interesting. Yeah. How did that? Did you have any like glaring feelings when you watched this then for the first time, or so, do you even remember? Yeah, so what happened, at least in high school, everybody started talking about the remake being like the most terrifying movie ever. And the trailer for that movie actually was really creepy because they really emphasized the base on true events, which is sort of trending back then, even though they did that in the 74 trailer. Yeah. Right. Well, and they, they lead you they, to believe that. Right. And they did sort of a same homage in a sense that like it's the voice of the narrator narrator was sort of similar. And it was this very gritty, like almost found footage feeling to the trailer. And they did the, the they sorry, they did these real creepy sound effects for the transitions. And I remember going like, oh, my God, I got to go see this movie. And and it was the same deal. It wasn't overtly gory as I thought it was going to be. And it was dark. It was a very updated version of the original. I was like, I should go see the original. And I rented it. And I was actually pleasantly surprised. I thought I wasn't going to like it because it was from 74. And I ended up liking it even more than the remake. So, yeah. 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 Now, Bill, what about you? Did you see this when it came out originally? No, I was too little for that. Uh, I figured I you might see- be, but I didn't know like how soon the transition to tape might have been. I think I might have seen it when I was about 16 or 17. And okay. I was like, I mean, it lived. Uh, it definitely was the case where I'd heard the title and I was like, that sounds like bad news. And then I <laughs> saw it and uh, I was like, it really, it is really bad news. That's And it still holds, I think I've seen it probably, you know, 10 times over the past 30 years. And it always holds up, you know? And like, I think the thing is, even that remake, the remake suffers from what I said, which is that it's a studio release and it looks professional. Mm-hmm. And you're it's right. like, you know, there's a certain, you're not going to get anything that's really going to shock you in the studio release because it's, just, you know, you have the comfort of knowing a giant company made this <laughs> as opposed to this freak show, you know, that's a drive-in thing from the era where people were making a lot of really unpleasant movies like, the, you know, Last House on the Left and things of this nature right. that, right. that like uh, they're making a lot of stuff 
that really was transgressive and, and you know taken from the whole the you know probably just slightly jazzed up grindhouse stuff from the yeah, 60s totally. you know totally. theatrically released and um but this has such an incredible technique like that i don't, I don't know we're getting to that yet well, we, uh, let's start and we'll, we'll get into that sure well, sure but, uh, it's movies from the 70s that horror movies specifically that i really really have a healthy appreciation for because for me those are like the more t- piggybacking off of what you said bill those are the those are scary movies to me, like The Exorcist, like the, the the ones with the grain. We've talked about this before on the show, but the grainy, you know, yeah. VHS feeling, the like the way it feels like it was a found footage movie, and it's just like it's it's very um, old, and you're like, uh, you know, you don't really want to see it, but you kind of want to, you know. That to me, those are real horror films from like back in the yeah. day, from yeah. the seventies and the sixties, you know, maybe and I think the eighties, you know, but. You know. Yeah, and I was just gonna say, I think like there's also this idea of like like a pre-internet horror movie too, mm-hmm. where like exactly the, yeah. the only borderline case I can think is, that that evoked the same sort of feeling I got when I first saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre is like Blair Witch Project, which like right. yes. used right. that early days of the internet mm-hmm. to their benefit uh, because there was no YouTube, but this like right. starting you off with like like you said, Bill, without seeing a Universal logo, but like just seeing this sort yes. of like here Stroll. is a tale, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. and it makes it mysterious and makes and it like, ex- a little creepy, yeah. you know, I don't I know, but what- like it does evoke something in you. Like before you're even like in the story, you're in the setting. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well, you're not safe. I mean, the thing is it's really shocking in retrospect to what they would play in movie theaters in the seventies. Yeah, like, right. you know, they, they could not just even big studios were doing midnight cowboy and they, which has some pretty graphic stuff in it. And, and, you know, it was rated X and won an Academy award, but like, yeah. there's a lot of other stuff that played in movie theaters in the seventies that just like is shocking that this was released and played in a movie theater in front of, in front of a crowd. And, you know, as VHS came on, that kind of stuff became more, that would just be released direct to video because it right. wasn't necessarily as profitable. So those right. movies, those grindhouse era movies and early seventies movies that, you know, the kind of times square fodder is, right. uh, you know, can still has the capability to shock. I think. I think you nailed it on the head too, Bill, with calling, you know, like pointing out the grindhouse aspect of it because, and, and Rob, you had mentioned pre-internet, like this is a movie that you, if you didn't really see the trailer or if you did, cause even the trailer didn't reveal that much, like you really didn't know what you were getting into. And again, I want to talk to, we mentioned this on our previous episode with demon Knight, but like the power of a title, like Texas chainsaw massacre has just so much information in there. It's a great title because it it just sounds like a horrible, horrifying experience. And then also like, I hate to, you know, no offense to the Texas folks out there, but like they're putting it in an, in a, like in a location where you're out in the middle of nowhere, which is like, everywhere like you know middle america uh like you know anywhere that you go it's like open fields and stuff like that 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 are like you can feel isolated there and they chose to set it there uh Mm -hmm. maybe based on like a little bit of the ed gein uh uh, things that they incorporated into it but it really promoted of like this could happen to anyone on a road trip sort of thing you know what i mean and and i feel that it really it painted a picture. Like every time I heard that title, I, I was actually very hesitant well, to go see the movie. off of what you're talking about, why yeah. does everybody in all these horror films always make the wrong decision? Don't pick up the hitchhiker. Just yeah, don't pick yeah. up the hitchhiker. Or throw <laughs> the hitchhiker out when he starts cutting himself. I know. <laughs> well, I, know. <laughs> I think like also there was a different, 
idea about hitchhiking. Yeah, uh, there was back a lot more hitchhiking day. back in those days. And they were, I mean, you heard the guy say he's going to roast. There was a line where they say like, oh, we can't leave him out here. He's going to, you know, he's going to roast in this heat. Oh, and, right. and that's why, and that's essentially why. Also the guy who, I did notice that the guy who's driving, that guy with the glasses, he should have been paying more attention to what was going on behind him because he just keeps driving. And, it's, and at some point he should have been like, hey, hey, I got to pull this thing over. But he didn't. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, yeah. It, um, here, here, real quick, guys, let's take a quick commercial break. When we come back, let's talk about some favorite scenes and shooting techniques real quick. All right, we're back. It's Madrigal at the Movies with Rob and Rob. And Bill Oakley is joining us today to talk about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, we talked about how it sets a scene early and like, it really feels like it's hot. Like everything is sweaty in this movie, but I think in particular, there are just aspects that jump out more than others. Every scene, something that really ties to like the isolationist side of this movie and like the middle of nowhere is that when they're searching for gas, when they get, when they, you know, run out, you just hear that generator running in these yeah. like really wide open shots. And it's, and it's weird because it almost becomes white noise after a minute yeah. and you, you forget that it's even running. And that's always stuck with me every single time I see it. I don't know if it, you guys feel the same way, I, but I just got to add that the, the sound design in this movie was actually remarkably good. You oh know? my God. Uh, so good. And, and, and the music and it, too. Like yeah. this is one of the pioneers of that kind of scratchy, those terrifying mm -hmm. weird sound effects that we now hear on American horror story every week. But like yeah. they like the sound design is, is amazing. As you said, and the, the, the generator, the stuff, this, the, the creepy, the crickets, you know, I don't, they, they put a lot of care into it clearly. Yeah. And it's like layered. It's, it's almost as if like you start hearing the sound of metal as like a sound effect to change a scene. And then yep. it turns into the generator, which then evolves into the crickets, which then like, yeah. They step inside the house right before you first see Leather Leatherface, and it almost feels silent, even though there are still sounds happening behind you. And that's the and thing I like the radio to... too. The radio yeah. comes in several times, yeah. which at the beginning and, and the and, and also that time when you think she's safe, when she's arrived oh. at the barbecue place, and it's like, oh, thank God, we're back in civilization, and you get to hear the radio, the comforting sound of the radio newscast, and and even though it's still about grave robbing, at least it's like we're back to normal until the yeah. guy starts beating her with that. The broom. Right. I think it's also particularly important to note that like it's it's weird because audiences are jaded in the sense that like they're used to now sort of seeing this sort of sound design or approach to filmmaking. And what they don't realize is that this movie didn't have a playbook to piggyback off of. You know what I mean? Like these guys sort of innovated that approach. And anybody that thinks about it like, well, but like Friday the 13th, there's actually like this came before all of that. You know what I mean? Speaking of Friday the 13th, yeah. that's the movie that I mentioned earlier that I didn't. Okay, so uh, back in 1980, yes. they had <laughs> this to reference and yeah. they didn't. See, here's the thing. The one thing that pissed me off about Friday the 13th was I had no idea who these people were. Random scenes were happening and you didn't know anybody's name. In this movie, you know who Kirk is, you know Sally, you know uh, Franklin, the guy in the wheelchair. You know who the these. Wife. Yeah, you know who all these people are. 
you you can identify with them. With Friday the Thirteenth, the only thing I remember is like a lake scene at the end, and that's it. Yeah. I could. Well, they were all goofballs anything. in Friday the Thirteenth. I 13th. saw that again. I saw that again last year, and I couldn't believe how much it sucked. I yeah, could not thank believe you. It, it sucked <laughs> thank you, so much, and it spawned whatever eight sequels. And it's like yeah. it's inept yeah. compared to almost every other one of those movies uh, from that era. It's inept and boring for large, large stretches. Yes, it it's, is. It's so weird, like you, because like. People always pair like Jason and Freddy together, and it's like Nightmare on Elm Street is like so much more developed of like a concept, and way more. There's and way it's more. It's so weird that like you that. wouldn't get like Texas Chainsaw Massacre paired up against something more like that because yes. it at least gets in your head more. I think, yeah, and I didn't Halloween movie. come out before Friday the Thirteenth as well? Halloween yeah, is so yes. much more yes. of a work of art with essentially the same kind of story about the, you know the teenagers right. getting picked off, but it's a masterpiece as opposed to the Friday the Thirteenth, which is not innovative or interesting in any way. I don't know how that movie became such incoherent a thing. too. Yes, in a, yes. not innovate. It's incoherent. You don't know what's happening. Yeah, you know? and and I get because it was a book though, right? Which one? Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, I don't think so. I think I it was just uh, a weekend script. If no, I no, 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 it was. But I thought there was some book that was that they took the idea from to like develop. Then they were like, "Oh, let's make this move." I I don't remember, but I will say that maybe the reason why Texas Chainsaw Massacre wasn't as prevalent is, ironically, even though Friday the Thirteenth maybe even gorier than than that, like. I think it just might be like it's viewed as maybe more teen friendly or, or tame. Like Texas Chainsaw Massacre yeah. is like way on a like a more intense level, almost because You're of right. the realism of it. You know, like mm-hmm. I think that you don't really believe a guy in a hockey mask would be killed, like sort of a but like and or his mom, does. right? Or his mom, which is the killer at the end. But also the fact that like like I said, you could you could run into some crazy people out oh, in the middle God, of yeah. nowhere that are cannibals that kill people with chainsaws. Like it, it's, it's a more believable situation for me, I think. Yeah. Absolutely. I think Friday the 13th is the, is the commercialized McDonald's version of this type of thing that, you know, big studios are able to get behind and say, let's get on this gravy train and start getting some of that, you know, cash that these other sleazy movies are getting. You kind of took wow. the words right out of my mouth. I was going to, I was going to ask you, do you feel like some of these movies can be a little bit, you feel like some of these movies can be a little bit like, uh, you know, like a fast chain, a fast food chain. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> good call. You just like this, you know, put it out there and just like people consume. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, it, aren't like 80% of horror movies like that where it's just like, let's yeah. we got an idea. Let's crank it out fast. And that's, I mean, that's a lot. Of, I see a lot of these movies on Shudder and things like that. I see most two horror movies a week. And like, yeah, it's rare to come up to, to come upon one that's like that's interesting or, or new in some way. And the thing about it, too, is that you, people could be like, well, but horror movies are notoriously low budget and stuff like that. I was like, well, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was very low budget for the time, which is like I think like about like 700, almost 700,000. Yeah. yeah. So the thing about it to me, though, is that you can you can take a low budget concept. But if you if you know how to tackle it, you can make a masterpiece. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, creating boundaries for yourself to at least like get something done. And I think it also goes to show, like, like I don't know much about Toby Hooper, but I know that like people love him or hate him, and <laughs> I think that he must have been working on this idea for some time to be like, how do I want to develop this? How do I want to like tell this story? Because on paper, it's not the most in-depth story, but like evoking feelings. I don't know. It seems so interesting to me because then he like went on to Poltergeist, which. I feel like has some 
Texas Chainsaw Massacre vibes, but Spielberg dust in there. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, Bill, did you have a, a a scene that just jumps out more than any other in this that you I, you well, always several. cite? I yeah. Mean, I, the, the, well, the first, I think, the very first appearance of Leatherface is is shocking is when when that guy is in there you know going go, looking for someone who you know to help him or to help with the gas and leatherface darts out of that kitchen hits him on the head and then drags him back in and the metal door shuts yes. all within like three <sighs> seconds it's just and it's, it's, a jump, wide it's shot. staggering you don't even quite know what you saw and yeah and it's it's terrifying um and it, then there's a couple a, other ones no, sorry, Bill. I didn't mean to interrupt, but I want to note again that it is a wide shot. Like we, they didn't cut away or make it all fancy or whatever. They did it in a way that would have been almost yeah. like your perspective of that. Yeah, you know yeah. that. Like I think that's like when you like you're like, oh shit, what am I in for? And then, <laughs> yes. then there's a couple other scenes that are all that are just like awful. Like the one where where uh, he puts her on the meat hook while he carves that other guy up the one where, she, where he opens the freezer and she, dark, she, you know, she's not dead, but she, and she had the freezer that, that jumped terrifying. out of my seat, jumped God. out of my seat at the yeah, seat. I, really I, I always that. forget that. Me too. Me too. This yeah. morning I was like, Oh fuck. Cause I forgot that she wasn't dead, that, that she was not, that's, that's part of the thing about this that I really don't like, but I mean, is effectively horrifying is the suffering. And I don't like, generally I don't like suffering right. movies. I don't like any other saw movies. I don't like torture. It's it's it in this movie, the suffering is unbearable because yeah. it's like her, it, it, there's, there's a lot of it. That guy also, when Leatherface hits that guy, that first guy, the guy doesn't die immediately. He, he's, right. he has those tremors and you're right. like, Oh yes. shit. That's, that's probably what really happens when you get hit on the, right. you have a traumatic brain injury, but you don't, you've never seen that in any other movies. Usually when people get mm-hmm. hit, they're out. They don't have these right. tremors. You know that, that was terrifying. Uh, I was just going to say that scene always reminds me of uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the documentary American movie but when they're trying to like throw the guy through the the thing he, they end up with the exact same scene from Texas Chainsaw Massacre but on accident because the guy's like, oh no. Um, anyway, sorry, keep going Bill. I can't oh, I, and this can take the, the the other ones that that get me are the one the the first grandpa the grand the first grandpa and grandma reveal and oh, yeah. uh which when she's in there and she's asking them for help which always seems like a bad idea anyway yeah. but like you know she's crazy that I mean, she's crazed with fear that that I also didn't realize the last thirty minutes of the movie have are screams every single second like you can I had to turn the volume down because it's like it's just she's I mean obviously legit with good reason she's screaming nonstop, but for 30 straight minutes. Um, and, and there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of close-ups of her eyeballs too, which I have forgotten about, which are very unsettling, you know, yeah. um, uh, oh, and the, I grandpa, the first reveal of grandpa, I, and the first three or four times I saw this movie, I was convinced that grandpa was dead was that he was a corpse. Cause he looks like a corpse and the he grandma is dead, but then you see him, I watched very carefully today and I've seen it. He, he is moving. He's moving a little mm-hmm. bit and his lips are moving a little bit. And so that just it adds an unpleasantness that I, that I had missed the first three times I saw this movie. Yeah. But it's the level, the level of unsettling concepts throughout is yes. like, like we're already talking about like you're, as you were describing all these scenes, I'm just thinking about it. Right. Going like, Imagine that someone's never seen the movie and you're telling them all this. Like, yeah, he he impales this chick on a meat hook while he while he carves up her boyfriend in front of her. Or whatever. Yeah, it's like, my favorite film. Love it. Yeah, uh, you know, like it, that <laughs> that in and of itself is already like horrifying. And then like the fact that it's, we're talking about a grandpa who looks like he's dead, but he's not. And then it's like, and they do they almost make him look like he's at it, like coming out of the coffin with the suit and everything. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like, like like he's at a funeral home. There, 
just the level of creepiness in the movie. Right. They keep layering it on. Totally. Just when you think like, like, and that's the, one of the things that's such a masterpiece with regards to this movie is this, the construction of the story is that they do the, the layers just keep getting, it just keeps getting worse. And, yeah. and even when you think the guy, the fairly normal guy, the fairly normal guy, the barbecue guy who doesn't want to kill her will still poke her with a stick over and over yeah. and over. Yeah. Like yeah. the whole time when he's driving her, he's just poking her with a stick for no reason. And it's like, they're just like, it's clear that they were just layering on layer, you know, with six or seven different layers of appalling, horrifying stuff. Yes. Finally culminating with grandpa trying to kill her with the sledgehammer in the bucket, Which, you know, and he can't. <laughs> and right, that right. scene is like, uh, does something to you as an audience or maybe it was just me, but like, it's also funny. You know, you've like had yeah. this like really like traumatic scenes leading up to this. And then they're like, yeah, come on, grandpa, you do this. I'll help guide your hand. And you're just even sitting there as an audience like this is. Uh, yeah, these people are scary, but they're also dumb as hell. <laughs> they really like their grandpa. They really go yeah. to great trouble to include grandpa and carry him down the stairs and put him yeah. at the table and, and they help him. And they really do like him a lot. And and. You know, it's kind of sweet in a way that they're such a family. I mean, and that's that's actually was exploited <laughs> so much in in two and three. Both Texas Chainsaw right. two and three are too funny, in my opinion. Like yeah, they really yeah. play this stuff for laughs, and it's the like humor. the horror yeah. it dissipates. Like this, I don't even like it when Leatherface is too cartoony. In this one, where he's got the lady, yeah. he changes mask three times, and then right. one of them, at least one of them, is too over the top, in my opinion, with the makeup and stuff. Yeah, because um, nice. it, it reduces the horror. I think a little mm -hmm. bit to have him be so silly. Um, but that's the but thing, yeah, right? Phil? Like they try to, I don't, I don't know if they, like they were trying to go maybe like even creepier and it's sort of that might've fallen short is what you're saying. Like maybe it didn't go that level. It just felt comical. It's hard to say whether it would have been without having, it's hard to say maybe it would have not been creepy, but having seen two and three where they play it for laughs in retrospect, it might've damaged that one. I think. Yeah, I can, I can totally get that. Hey Peter, did you have any scenes that jumped out to you particularly? Um, yeah, no. Or any other notes like, we didn't cross? Well, the, no, yet. the last, the last scene where they're all around the table that was like that was very, very creepy. And I'm like wondering, what are they serving? Are they serving her human? And why did they serve her? I know they got little sausages like, on the on the plate for the, her. Yeah, they got yeah. the yeah they they served her food, but they, she can't eat because she's tied up. Like, what's yeah. the point, so guys? Come on, <laughs> it's all about like a process for them. We, it's ritual. It's the things that. Or are they we, just toying with her at that point too? It has you know? to be. Yeah, has yeah. To it be. has to be, especially what, given the way the rest of the movies go. What was the yeah. inspiration though behind this? Because someone said, I think Rob, you said uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. No, Ed, 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 Ed Gein. Ed Gein, but like very loosely based on a guy who killed people and ate them and like had them in his like in texas that he like kept it i think it was, he was like, in wisconsin his mother? he was in wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. wisconsin i think yeah. he killed, i think he may have killed his mother but he did uh, the main thing that they took is that he had rooms full of like bones and like right. had used the uh, flesh to, to make you know lamps and stuff like that so right he he that kind of stuff with the setting was very very and also you know there was a creepy weird rural setting right, except yeah. in snowy wisconsin Right. Gotcha. Right, right. Right. I wonder why they switched to Texas. Easier to film out there? Well, I think, I, think, I think that's where they were from. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Interesting. Yeah. And never would have thought. <laughs> Peter, <laughs> you're from uh, Texas, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I've been in areas like that before. <laughs> uh, uh, don't say anything else. We're recording uh, this. Uh, guys, <laughs> we should take our final break and come back with our final thoughts on uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We'll be right back. 
Hey, we're back. It's Magic Crawl at the Movies with Rob and Rob and Bill Oakley. We've got some final thoughts on Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Rob, would you like to start? Uh, yeah, I mean... Bill, we'll end with you. Well, okay. well I'd like to... I, I mean, one of the, my favorite scenes, too, was that last dinner scene just because it was like it was just an, a level of creepiness that you can't escape and like it like again the grandpa and then the b- grandpa sucking the blood off of her finger and mm. stuff like that like it just had a it, i remember feeling super disturbed at that point not yeah. that i wasn't already but at that point and i was like oh my god so many close-ups of her eyeballs in that scene oh too, yeah yes that are like far more than you would ever have in, in any modern movie like they really overdo it with that but that yeah, it, 20s you know, french horror film and i yeah. think the reason for that at least for me though is that like the reaction that she's having is far creepier than what you're actually seeing because as a human, you can relate to that fear and your imagination starts taking off. It's like, what is she seeing? What is her eyeball seeing? And throughout this, like, why is it? And I think that, that this movie, at least for my final thoughts would be that this movie does introduce a lot of great archetypes, like the, the faceless slasher, you know, with the mask hulking sort of big uh, killer, I think that also, I think it was the first time they used like a chainsaw to kill people mm-hmm. and all these sort of things, like the setting, the characters, the the whole backdrop of it. And honestly, to me, it's the the psychological element of like reaction, the reaction of what you're witnessing, the reaction of every event that goes down. Because when they impale her on a meat hook, she's witnessing him carving up. You're not necessarily seeing all the gore, but you're seeing her scream and struggle and squirm. And anyone that's watching that is sort of feeling like Sally at that point. So I don't know. I, I think that th- this movie is, this movie is brilliantly executed for the time and for the money. It's just a masterpiece that will hold on for the test of time. So, well, that's I my- think that I think it's well beyond the time. Cause like for me, for, like I keep on, you know, piggybacking off of what you said and yeah. what Bill says, um, for me, the best horror film films are from the seventies because of the graininess, because of the way they look, because of like the, the grit, the, you know, the grit and the found footage aspect that this could be real and it's not streamlined through a, uh, through through a big uh, through a big studio and you know those because those tend to look too pretty and I don't like my mm-hmm. horror films looking too pretty. You know what I mean? I don't want my horror films looking like. Uh, lord of the rings you know what i mean i need them i need that grip i need that oh man there's something uneasy and and just weird about the situation i'm in because that's what i felt when i was watching this film for the first time and then yesterday when i rewatched it again is like uh just this uneasy like you know again with the eyeballs and then that dinner scene and then of course the one of the best scenes in my opinion was when he does hit kirk over the head and then Slams the slams the metal yeah, door shut. Right. I was like, "Whoa, we're in for it now," you know. Yeah, yeah. So, and and yeah. I will say, last thing too is kudos to the filmmakers in '74 for going that far because exactly. this could have been considered like an extreme, extreme mm-hmm. uh, like horror movie in terms of its its thematic sources. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, uh, if I, the wrong I, I, church mom wrote the wrong op ed. Yeah, like, exactly. You could have a Silent Night, Deadly Night situation happened totally so mm-hmm. kudos to them for for pushing it and and uh believing in their vision taking those getting those yeah. yeah um i have to agree with everything you guys have said and i still just i think my final thought is that i just love how this movie starts playing with you before you even know what the heck's going on you know like you're, you're still trying to figure out what's what's up and you're and you're uneasy from the very start i've read theories that people take in like the whole talk about like Saturn being in retrograde is like oh. 
something and like the guy rubbing the blood on the on the the van as they drive off is like some sort of occultist trick sort of thing. I think it's fun when people can find those things like in the shining, how there's a million theories about stuff. And I think that's, that's great that like that groundwork was laying in a movie like this. And the other thing I'll say is like, and I, we, we briefly mentioned it up top that like there are varying stories amongst the cast during this. And my, my friend, Mike Sachs, who wrote uh, poking a dead frog has teamed up with a buddy and they like bought the rights for the Gunnar Hansen story because they want oh, wow. to tell that story on film. And uh, fingers crossed it gets made because that's something I would at least like to read. I would go down that Wikipedia page and keep scrolling. I'll tell you that much. Um, Bill, how about you? What are your final thoughts? And thanks again for joining us. Yeah. Oh, it's my pleasure. Totally. Uh, I- I'm not going to say anything you guys haven't said, so I'll go fast over some of the parts that say <laughs> the movie is very unsettling from the even bef- before the first chainsaw thing appears. It's already unpleasant, unsettling movie with seven sure. bad, creepy things have happened. I dispute what it says on the back of that box because it was clearly not a pleasant day. They were going to find out if the lady's grandmother had been grandfather had been grave robbed. Yeah, it was already a horrifying experience. The very first frame of the film. Um right. John LaRoquette narrating, by the way. He's the guy who narrates, if you if you know John Great LaRoquette. voice. Yes. Great yes. voice for that. Uh, yeah. The team must have been like 20 years old. Um, so that that said, and then also I agree with everything about this movie. It's a rare that a 47-year-old movie that invented these archetypes would still hold up and still be just as horrifying or at least 70% as horrifying as it probably was back then. People probably were more used to crazy grindhouse movies back then too. And now you don't see that much. Time. You know, you see them on YouTube or whatever, but they're not the same right. quality as this. Mm-hmm. Um, and and furthermore, the the story construction is extremely is still very solid. It's remarkably unpleasant in a number of different ways, as you said. Uh, and I think honestly, I still think it holds up. And you feel like when it's over, you're like you're relieved. <laughs> it sticks in your head for a while, and you're like, thank God that experience is over. And it's it's rare that a movie can really grab you in that way. And it's it's remarkable that a movie that this that's this old can still have that power. I, I would so I I think guys we should tack on a rating at the end of this now. And I would say if you have not seen this movie, you know, maybe hit yourself over the head with a hammer or chainsaw yourself <laughs> or punch yourself or, you know, grab and like impale Just yourself get a nice on a meat sausage hook. link from exactly. Cousin Joe. <laughs> and force yourself to watch this movie or grab a friend who hasn't seen it and pay them on a meat hook and watch them make them watch the movie. So uh, uh, it's fictional. fictional, fictional, of course. <laughs> do not actually go do this. Very things. different from Friday the 13th rating. Very. <laughs> I think that's the, the big takeaway for me on all of this is that how if you really put Texas Chainsaw Massacre up against the others, you can see why it has stood the test of time. So, Bill, once again, thanks for joining us today. I'd like to offer this time. If there's anything you'd like to plug for the audience, uh, now's the time. Uh, well, uh, if you're interested in f- uh, funny <laughs> observations about food, <laughs> I know this doesn't really, it seems like a non sequitur at this point. Definitely follow my Instagram at that Bill Oakley on Instagram or on Twitter, but that's just my regular old account. Um, my food, all my food stuff is on Instagram and there's new stuff almost every day. I thought it was kinda perfect to the, have you on. Kind of goes episode. with the theme of this. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> it did make me think again about meat. You know, every time we, uh, 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 especially the sausages, the grotesque uh, oh, sausages yeah. smoking, and there's a lot of like, it, 
it did make me think twice once again about considering yeah. more being more vegetarian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Time for those uh, impossible burgers, you know. Yeah, I will get yeah. beyond Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's another great day here at Madrigal at the Movies. Everyone, if you like this episode, you can find out more at patreon.com slash Madrigal at the Movies or just give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts for all our public episodes. I've been Rob Schulte with Bill Oakley, Rob Federick, and Peter Madrigal on another Halloween episode of Madrigal at the Movies with Rob and Rob. All right, see you all later. Madrigal at the Movies with Rob and Rob is hosted by Peter Madrigal, Rob Federick, and Rob Schulte. The podcast is edited by me, Chris Tyler, and produced by Rob Schulte. If you're looking to support this podcast, check out the merch link in the show notes, or just leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts.